Wow. Well, good morning, Real Life Church. We are so thankful that you are tuning in with us uh, as we are continuing our series, Piecing Together a Multi-Ethnic Mosaic. Um, if you are excited to be uh, in the presence of God right now, just, just drop something in the comments. Say, I'm excited to be in the presence of God. Um, I am personally excited to continue my message on being united part two. Uh, I believe, uh, as I mentioned last week, if you tuned in, it's going to take a united church to heal a broken world. And we see in the book of John chapter 17 that Jesus had prayed three different prayers. And that's kind of what our uh, series have been on is that Jesus prayed that God, you be glorified. And we know from what Pastor Dean mentioned that uh, a glorified life, our glorifying God comes from a crucified life. And Jesus also prayed that we be sanctified, that we be set apart. And in the latter part of John 17, we also see that Jesus says we be unified, that he prayed that we be one in him as him and the Father is one. And ever more, never more now than ever, we need the church to be one, unified. And we know that unity is not the sameness of a person, as I mentioned last week, but it's the oneness of a purpose, that the glory of God and that the unity of God is not in our preferences, it's in our distinctions. That we are the body of Christ made of many members. And as we submit one to another, we will receive the grace of God to heal a broken world. I believe that uh, earth is not lacking in resources. It just could be that earth is lacking in submission to heaven's way. I believe that God has created the church to have access into the kingdom of God, which will restore the pipeline from heaven to earth, where we can go back to a garden experience where man and God is working together to bring heaven's kingdom, the kingdom of God, king's domain, to bring God's rule and reign, uh, heaven on earth, and in the natural and in the spiritual realm. And I believe we as the church, never more now than ever, we are uh, in some unprecedented times, and we have unprecedented opportunities to trust the Lord. And I want to share something with you as we, uh, again, go into this message, which is being united part two. I believe that in this season, I believe as the church, we have to be more than we have ever been in any season, not beyond what God created us to be, but I believe as the church, we have to be fully what God has created us to be capable of. I'm going to say that again. In this season, I believe as the church, we have to be more than what we have ever been. Not beyond our capacity, but reaching the fullness of what we're capable of. And I believe that we have not yet reached the fullness of what we're capable of because we haven't reached the fullness of unity. We haven't really seen the unity that is rooted in biblical truth, which is a unity that encompasses a multi-culture, a multi-ethnic, a multi-class, and multi-groups of people, that when we come back to this biblical unity, that there is no race or no group or no class superior or inferior than the other, then we can begin to see the wisdom of God manifest through the church. And I believe that Christ died for the church, again, so that we can have access to this kingdom. Not only do we need to be united in biblical truth, but I really feel like we need to be united in hope. Oh, Jesus, united in hope. 
Hope is the substance that helps faith produce. The Bible says that if faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the, uh, and the things have not seen, then hope is the substance that helps faith produce. If Satan can steal our hope, then he can hijack our faith. And if he can hijack our faith, then he can cause us to put our faith in man-made systems. He can cause us to put our faith in things that won't bring the redemptive change that only the kingdom of God can bring. I believe we have to be united in hope. And what is hope? Hope is not just optimism. Hope is not just believing for better. Hope is Christ. Christ in us is the hope of glory. That when we put our hope in Christ, we won't outsource our hope to other things. Because when we outsource our hope to other things and we don't see it, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when the heart is sick, we open ourselves to despair and depression and torment. And I'm not saying that we won't have moments where we feel depressed or where we feel despair, but we shouldn't stay in these moments because if Christ lives in us the hope of glory, then we can shake those despair moments. We can shake those depressing moments. And I declare right now, that if you are watching this and you've been struggling in this season or you've been having a, a despair and you've been feeling disappointed, I want to declare Christ in you, the hope of glory, that greater is he that is in us, in the church, than he that is in the world. The kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness is not even equal to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness can't create. It can only counterfeit and pervert. But we serve a king, and we're in a kingdom where we can create with the creator as the church, as the people of God. When we sync ourselves up and come into alignment with heaven's rule, with heaven's reign, we will begin to see new systems created. We will begin to see redemptive structures being put back into place to where people are equal. Again, if we're not unified as a church, we can't expect to see unity within the world. Because unity was never a man's concept. Unity was always a biblical, godly concept. And when I talk about hope, hope, again, is not just in optimism. Hope is not just in wishing things are better. I believe hope, comment if you like this one, hope is a holy persuasion. Oh, Jesus. I felt God on that one. Hope is a holy persuasion that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not race, not inequality, not, not principalities, nor demons, nor angels, nor, de nor death. Nothing can separate you and I from the love of God. And what is the love of God? The love of God is that God knows what's best for us. The love of God is that God has redeemed us. He has already given us victory before the problem. He has already created solutions before there was an issue. Because as a father, as a heavenly father, he knows what the church needs. He knows what you and I need. But I believe that the father has placed our solutions in unity. And when we get back to a biblical unity where every joint supply of another, we won't be lacking in our supply because we are unified together as one body. Oh, can I get an amen on that one? Now, I believe, again, hope is a holy persuasion. I am praying and declaring that you are persuaded that the hope of Christ is the hope, the trust that you should place your trust in. I'm believing that your hope won't be in man-made systems, man-made uh, uh, structures. 
I'm believing that your hope will be in the kingdom of God. And as your hope is in the kingdom of God, God will help you create structures and systems and be a part of the the solution. He will help us invade the world. He would help us uh, use our sphere of influence to bring healing to a hurting world. Now, um, if you were connected or you were online or you were here last week, we again talked about the unity of the church and how important it is. And as I was studying on the church and it being unified, I really couldn't get out of the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is so full with the believer and and who God called us to be and how to be united and how to wage war against the principalities. Because when we serve a king and when we're in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, as I mentioned, has a holistic approach to attacking the issues in the world. In the kingdom of God, God has given us authority over principalities. He's also given his word for us to renew our minds, to change our ideologies. And when we change our ideologies, we can uproot the strongholds that have kept us in less than what God has for us. Ideologies produce stronghold. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is nothing more than a a, a reinforced way of thinking, good or bad. There are good strongholds and there are bad strongholds. That when we are in Christ, we can build a holy stronghold to where nothing on the outside can dictate our belief that starts from the inside. But if you don't have Christ, you will develop an ideology that will produce a stronghold. That is not good. And that's why God says to the church, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in pulling down strongholds. That God says that the church can address the principalities and it can also refute the ideologies that does not see men equal, all men equal and created in God's image. I believe never more than ever that we have to begin to uproot strongholds. And I believe the strongholds have to be uprooted in the church before we can see the strongholds uprooted in the world. This is why to the Christian, I say you don't always need prayer. Sometimes you just need to renew your mind. It could be a renewing of the mind issue, not always a prayer issue. I believe prayer has a place. I believe prayer is important. But I also believe that when we read the word of God, and the Bible says the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword, it can cut in the right strongholds and cut out the wrong strongholds. It will address the ideologies that got passed down to us from generation to generation. It will address the ideologies that tells us to to believe or think or do certain things in this current generation. I believe that God wants to see his church renewed into the kingdom of God. Now, when I talk about biblical unity, there's six different things that when the church becomes unified that I want to talk to you about. That when we operate in the biblical unity that we see in Ephesians chapter 2, that we see in Galatians, where it says neither Jew or Gentile or male or female or whatever that passage is, we see that that unity that brings all groups together as one. When we operate in this unity, there's something that the church releases that no other organization in this world can release. 
We have to understand that when we unify in biblical truth on how to unify, we release something that no other entity or organization can release. This is why God wants to see us to be unified so that the things that I'm going to share, we can release this so that people can run to God, run to him because he's a, he's, a, he's a safe net. He's a high tower. The righteous run to him. But running to God means that if people are going to run to God for safety, that means the church has to be safe because the church is the body of Christ. The church is the local instrument in which the kingdom of God works through. That's why I'm telling you, if you're watching this, don't give up on the church. You've often showed grace to the world, but also show grace to the church as well. The church is still God's bride. The church is still God's instrument in which he's going to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. Can I get an amen? So we see in the book of Ephesians, the reason why I believe this book is very relevant to talking about being unified, that in the book of Ephesians, this is actually addressing the, Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. Now, this particular church was in a booming area. It was ethnically diverse. It was the port city in Asia Minor, which is modern Turkey. And it was the capital of the province of Asia, comparable to one of the most largest city in America. And which we see in this book, uh, Ephesians, that Jews and Gentiles were now learning how to become one together. So, so we see that racial inequality is not something that is new. We see it happen all throughout the word of God. It's just something that has to constantly be readdressed. Because every time someone is born into this world, the Bible says that they're born into sin, shaped in iniquity. This is why we have to be great at a, a, a proper theology that reconciles all people. Because if you're born into sin, chances are you're born with a, a defect in how you view certain people. This is why we have to get born again so we can get born again to the truth. And from that truth, we renew our mind, break the strongholds, and begin to see people from a kingdom stronghold and not a demonic or worldly stronghold. Can I get an amen? Now, one of the things that our unity creates that no other unity can create in this world, I want to bring us back to a passage that I shared last week, which is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. It says right here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, I'm reading off a passion translation. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of this precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us have now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over. This is what starting over. Forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews fused together. So when we think about things that only the church can do, the first thing that the church can do that no other entity or organization in the world can do is our unity creates a new humanity. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I have to put my hands in my pocket on that one. Our unity creates a new humanity, a new race. What do I mean by that? Our unity creates a 1 Peter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness and to the light. The unity of the church, the church, the only entity that can help create a new humanity. 
a humanity where there's neither Jews or Gentiles, nor where there's no neither subjugation of male or female or middle class, poor or rich. God says, I make them all one. I make them equal. So in Christ, the playing field is equal, that we are one in him. Again, you heard me say unity is not the sameness of person. It's the oneness of a purpose. The church creates a new human race, a race that will give forth the praises of God, a holy nation, a consecrated people. This is why the church is the answer to the racism in the world, because the church is the only entity that can create a counterculture alternative to racism. Because in the church, you can come in or you should be able to come in and people don't look to see if you're black, white, Jew or Gentile, male or female, rich, poor or middle class. They see the image of God in you. Oh God, I felt heaven on that one. They see the image of God in which you were created in. If we can't get Genesis 1 and 2 right, we can't get none of the Bible right because we have to understand that God created man in his image and in his likeness. That God has a purpose and destiny for every individual in this world. And the church creates a new humanity. How does God create a new humanity? The church, our unity helps minister the, recon- the, the, the ministry of reconciliation where God gives you a new heart and a new spirit. He's made a covenant with us that in him we get a new heart and a new spirit. How many of us know, we, we know some people that need a new heart and a new spirit. You who are watching, you may need a new heart and a new spirit. Oftentimes I tell God, create in me a clean heart and renew my spirit. I believe if you have a new heart and a new spirit, you'll start speaking new words. You'll start posting new things. You'll start not being limited to how you feel. You won't be as carnal. You won't be as impulsive. I believe not only do we need to put a watch over our mouth and a guard over our tongue, we also need to put a watch over what we post, a watch over what we're saying in this season. As the church, we have to be unified in speaking only what is edifying to those who can hear it. I believe as the church, we have to speak to the version of people who they can become and not the version of what they are at. Speak them into a higher place. If you're a parent, you should know that, right? You don't all, as, as, a, as a Christian parent, I didn't always speak what I saw my kids to be. I had to call them up. I had to call them a blessing when they were not acting like a blessing. I had to call them uh, 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 righteous and holy when they weren't acting these things. I believe words have power. And if we're going to be the united church who's going to create a new human race through the blood of Jesus, then we have to be careful in what we say. And what we do and how we live. The immaturity of a person can often be revealed in what they say or in what they post. And now more than ever, we have to be wise. Not afraid, not skeptical, but wise. I'm encouraging, I do it myself, I'm encouraging us before we post or before we say something or before we email something, why not ask somebody, how does this look to you? Why not The Bible says wisdom is in the multitude of counselors. Why not seek some counselors before we say, write, or post anything? Can I get an amen? Amen. Another thing that our unity creates, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, 19 through 22. Again, the first one, our unity creates a new humanity, a new race. The second thing our unity creates 
according to Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens, citizens of what? Citizens of the kingdom of God, with saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, excuse me, being the chief cornerstone and whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord and whom also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. The second thing, when we're united as a church, biblical unity, we create a dwelling place for the spirit of God. God doesn't necessarily just dwell in the building as we, I mentioned earlier in our exhortation of worship, but the Bible says now is, and, and the time is coming now is where God is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Our unity creates a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit to rest upon. Our unity creates a place for God's glory to manifest in and through all of us. So the lack of our unity creates fragmented, splintered opportunities for the Lord to show up and reveal his power. But when we are fully united, that means we have given God access to fully be present in this world. Oh, Jesus. God can only be in the world to the degree that the church is united. Glory to God. God can only invade earth situation to the degree that the church submits to the kingdom of God. God gave the affairs of humanity to human beings. He actually gave it to Adam and Eve. But when Adam and Eve uh, were allured through being self-sufficient, independent of God, they gave what God gave to them over to the enemy. They invited sin. So Christ came back to redeem what Adam and Eve lost, which is our access for heaven to invade this earth. God has given the church the responsibility to be connected to him and be unified so that he can have a presence in this world. I, I, I believe that the reason why the church should be one of the most powerful entities in the world is because we have hope. As I mentioned earlier, Christ in us, the hope of glory. I believe the most powerful person in the room is the person with the most hope. If you've been feeling hopeless or you feeling like you don't have no hope, wherever there is no hope to the believer, that means your life is being influenced by a lie. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to have to say that again. If you've been feeling hopeless... If you've been feeling despair, if you've been feeling discouraged to the degree you can't shake it, to the degree you're resting in that, I believe those areas are influenced by a lie because we always have hope. In fact, I believe it's Zechariah 9 where it says, return to me, prisoners of hope. Return back to the stronghold. I believe we, when we don't have hope, it is influenced by a lie, and this is why we need the word of God. When we renew our mind to the word, our hope gets renewed. Our hope gets renewed. And I just speak that over somebody right now, renewed hope. If I'm speaking to you and you need some renewed hope, just say, I need it. Just say, I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Put it in the comment. Say, I receive that renewed hope. We receive it by faith. You just receive it in Jesus' name. Now, another thing that we see that, that, that our unity creates, according to Ephesians 2 and 10, that our unity creates a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. Now, when we have a dwelling place for the Spirit of God, then the purposes and the activity of the kingdom can begin to move and flow uh, unhindered and uninterrupted. And this is where we see Ephesians 2.10. 
I love this. I'm reading out the Passion Translation. And I, yes, I'm reading a lot of scriptures because I believe we don't just need preaching dame. We need professor dame right now. So I got my glasses on. <laughs> Ephesians 2 and 10 says, we have become his poetry. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works, what we, what we will do to fulfill it. He says, I knew you before you were born. I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. In other words, when we come in unity and we become a dwelling place for God to come upon, what happens is purposes get activated. You begin to know your divine callings. You begin to know your divine giftings. I believe there's a lot of people who don't know what they're called to do because the church haven't been unified on a level it should which will be a resting place for the dwelling presence of God because where God is, crookedness, uncertainty, uh, 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 lack of clarity has to go. The Bible says where the presence of God is, wickedness has to flee. It has to flee. Now, I believe that the kingdom of God is not complicated. I believe it's just costly. I'm going to say that again. The kingdom of God is not complicated. It's just costly. He said you have to be childlike to receive the kingdom. The kingdom of God causes us to die to ourselves. You have to lose your life to find your life. There are seasons of my life where I had to die to what I thought I was called to be so that I can receive what the creator created me to be. Amen. I had to die to me wanting to be in the marketplace. And, and I don't think God is against the marketplace as we need leaders in the marketplace. But I, I struggled with that for a long time. But I realized that God used me in a season in the marketplace. But then he had a divine calling for me in the body, in the church, as one of the fivefold ministries. And I believe that we need people in the marketplace. I believe we need people in the education realm. We need people in all spheres of influence. But we need people to be where God's called them to be and not to be where they shouldn't be. We need people to be submitted and what God is asking them, asking them to give up to find life. And for me, it was giving up a passion that I had as it relates to business so that I can see who he is to me so I can be about my father's business. And he still uses those gifts. He still allows me to venture in those things. But first and foremost, he was like, I've called you and I've anointed you to preach the gospel. And I believe there's some people, you're watching this, you know God has put a call of God on your life. You know he's called you. You've been resisting it. You've been fighting it. I'm telling you right now, you're going to have to surrender to it. Because if you're looking for the kingdom of God in your life, it's not complicated. It's just costly. It's going to cost you your surrender. God is not looking for you to perform. He's not looking for you to have it all. All together, he's just asking you to surrender to the process, and he will take take care of the rest. Now, I want to talk about a third thing that our unity produces. I want to first go to Ephesians chapter four, verse one through six. Now, the reason why I really love this book of Ephesians as it relates to being the United Church, because in Ephesians we see through chapters 1 and 2 that God identifies who we are as the church. He calls us saints. He calls us blessed. He calls us chosen. He calls us holy and blameless. He calls us redeemed. He calls us uh, uh, forgiven. He, he tells us that we have an inheritance, that we're sealed and filled with the presence of God. Ephesians is giving the church their identity. He said in Ephesians 1 and 3, blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's letting us know 
the access that we have in his kingdom. And then we see that in Ephesians 1 and 2. And then we see that in Ephesians chapter 4, what are we going to do to sustain this supernatural lifestyle of the church being a dwelling place for the presence of God? And I, I like to bring this passage to help answer that question. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6, it says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God, but always be humble and gentle. Oh, Jesus, I don't think I've been seeing a lot of gentleness in this season. Now, again, I don't think meekness, humility, gentleness is weakness. I believe I could be gentle because the power of God is more powerful than my highest angry expression. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Sometimes we don't know how to be gentle or meek because we don't really believe that in Christ we'll see the results. So when we don't believe in the word, what happens is we have to create, we have to create something to make us feel like I'm getting my point across. We have to get loud. We have to get angry. We have to go to the place to where we can even uh, do things that's outside of our godly character. But I believe gentleness activates the Holy Spirit to convict. Gentleness activates the Holy Spirit to convict. I don't mean that you can't be firm. I, I, I'm not saying you can't hold people accountable. But if we could be, as the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Again, he's speaking to the Jews and Gentiles who are now learning of their new, uh, new identity of being one in Christ. He's saying be humble, be gentle, and be patient with uh, each other. Now, this next part. If it hurts, you just say, ouch. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. The question is, have you been building a case against people's faults to disconnect and cancel? Or have you been uh, making allowances so that you can protect connection? As the church, we can't build cases against people to identify their faults, to justify us disconnecting. Again, let me preface this. I don't believe we're called to, to, to have everyone in our inner circle, but we are called to keep a level of connection with people in the body of Christ because I've learned you don't never want to destroy a bridge that one day God might ask you to walk on. And the kingdom advances not through skill. The kingdom advances not through opportunity. The kingdom advances through relationships. Oh, Jesus. You can't advance the kingdom unless you are connected in relationships. So make sure you're making allowances for people's faults versus building a case to disconnect. Again, we can prioritize relationships. If somebody was our best friend, then maybe making allowances is saying, you know what? You no longer are in the best friend category, but I'm still going to keep you as a friend. I just can't put you all the way in to have access to me. I can't give you the full access that you had in the past because you mishandled my heart. That is okay. That's wisdom. But to, but to, to find fault, to disconnect, and as I mentioned last week, to cancel people is to say people are unredeemable. So make allowances. Again, this is Paul teaching the Jews and Gentiles how to become one. Making allowances for each other's faults. Because of your love, make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, 
one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. It's funny how John 17, Jesus is saying, God, I pray that those who will come to believe me, he's talking to the church, that they be one with me, are one with each other as the Father and Jesus was one. And we see Paul kind of break down what oneness looks like. In order for us to be one, he's, gonna, he's, he's letting us know that there's going to be moments where you don't want to be gentle. There's going to be moments where you don't want to be humble. There's going to be moments where you don't want to be patient. There's going to be moments where you don't want to unite and protect the bond of the peace and the spirit. But in filling those things, we have access by faith to choose what we should do and not always what we feel to do. This is why the Bible says walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're stepping into a season where we can't act on what we feel. We're going to have to choose what we know. Because it's better to choose and act on faith what you should do than try to feel your way to obedience. Because the flesh is in contrary to the will and the purposes of God. And this is why we're going to have to be disciplined and begin to make allowances for one another. Again, when I say make allowances, I'm not saying overlooking nor not holding people accountable to things that they need to be held accountable. But what I'm saying is let's not disconnect or destroy bridges that one day people or we may need to walk on one day. So we also see unity brings us the church unity brings us into full maturity as the church. Now, as we drop down in Ephesians to chapter 4, 11 through 14, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. It's talking about the fivefold ministry. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Pay attention. Don't, 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 don't get distracted. Watch this part. The body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in faith and knowledge of God's Son. In other words, God is saying the church's job is to equip us to know how to access the kingdom until we become a perfect unity. Because in us becoming a perfect unity, we're going to keep reading, we're going to see what's going to happen. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God so that we will be mature in the Lord. Our unity together helps us mature in the Lord. It helps us mature in how we forgive. It helps us to mature in what it means to be a disciple. Unity of generations, of class, of group, ethnicities. When we have that level of unity, we are being supplied with what we need so we can step into the the maturity of the Lord. And then I like this next part, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This is the part we have to pay attention to, that we no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. In other words, we won't be tricked in unity that is not rooted in biblical truth. See, God is saying when the church becomes the church and you unite, what happens is we grow into full maturity, the fullness of God, so that way in being united, we're no longer tossed to and fro. We're no longer deceived. We're no longer uh, misguided. We no longer believe that every guy that says they love me, they love me. We're no longer deceived that every business venture is God's will for my life. We're no longer deceived because when you have unity, when you have community, the wisdom of God is in unity, so that way what someone else learned from their mistakes can be you and I, our wisdom. Can I get an amen? 
I believe there's a lot of people who have backslidden as Christians because they weren't united or they weren't in community. So therefore, you were susceptible to believe the lies or the deceptions that packages itself as something good for you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. When we have unity, we're protected. When we have unity, there's refuge. When we have unity, we don't have to go through unnecessary battles. Not every battle that you're going through is demonic instigated. What it could be, some of the battles that you're going through is the fact that you are not united and you're not in community and that you have not stepped into the fullness of what it means to be united with the church. You have not stepped into the full maturity, so therefore you're tossed to and fro by every slight wind of doctrine or every form of manipulation. I believe the church has not been what it could be because it hasn't reached full maturity. Full maturity is when we see reconciliation again with all ethnicities, groups, class, uh, gender, male and female, coming together where there is no one superior or inferior. I'm almost done. I have a few more. Another thing that our unity creates, it gives us access to divine gifts. Be mature in the Lord, right? It says, uh, uh, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind and new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. And when you drop down uh, to those verses, we also see that God allowed every joint supply of another. When we are in unity, we get access to divine gifts. When we are in unity, we get access to prophetic uh, 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 insight. I there's so many seasons of my life where I didn't know what God was saying, but my unity allowed someone who had a prophetic gift to speak something to cause me to go in a direction that I would have not looked in unless I was united. Oh, Jesus. I would have never looked in certain directions where the kingdom was calling me unless I was submitted in unity and accessed the divine gift of someone in the body of Christ. Because I was in position, they were able to speak something that my sight wasn't on because I was more focused on what is seen. That's why I said we have to be united in hope because hope is not in what is seen. Hope that is seen is not hope at all. But I just trust God that God called me to be unified. He called me to be in unity. So Therefore, when I'm in unity, I get supplied with what I need. I get supplied with what I need. I get supplied with whatever the kingdom has for me. I'm coming to a close. Again, our unity gives us access to divine gifts. Ephesians 3, 9 and 10 says, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which the beginning of the ages have been. Oh, excuse me. Uh, uh, unity gives us access to divine gifts. Let me back up. Also, unity reveals the wisdom of God. Play softly for me. Unity reveals the wisdom of God. Now, this is pretty powerful to me because the Bible says that in Ephesians chapter 3, 9, and 10, there is a unity that reveals the wisdom of God, but not just to people on earth. There's the wisdom that's being revealed in other places as well. It says right here, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of ages have been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might, uh, may be known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. When the church is united, it reveals the wisdom of God to demons and angels. It reveals the wisdom of God to the heavenly realm. 
And that word manifold wisdom, that word manifold means variety. In other words, God's wisdom is in variety. That's why the church has to embrace diversity because where we don't embrace diversity, we don't have the manifold wisdom of God that is packaged in different people, different groups, different race. But when we support and we embrace biblical unity, we have the wisdom of God that is not, again, packaged in our preferences, but is packaged in our distinctions. You are missing out on wisdom. You are missing out on answers. You are missing out on being supplied what you need in your life if you only align yourself with people that you are uh, 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 most comfortable with. I believe the church can't be a worm that eats off one leaf. We can't be myopic to the degree that we don't cross-pollinate with other people, other class, and uh, uh, other groups. I believe that when we cross-pollinate, we see and begin to access the wisdom of God that has made manifold, the manifold wisdom that is made known to the rulers and principalities uh, in the heavenly places and to humanity. And the last thing, which I think is one of the most important things that our unity gives, is our unity gives us hope. Our unity not only gives us hope, but it also provides hope to the world. I believe the world needs hope never more now than ever. I believe the, the, the world needs hope. The Bible says a city uh, on a hill shouldn't be hidden. The Bible talks about as the church, we are the salt and light to the world. Salt preserves whatever it touches. Light is, is, is not to be hidden. Light is to illuminate. You know, when we use the word darkness, uh, darkness is, is something that can't be quantifiable. So it, it's just the definition of the absence of light. Light illuminates any sphere, anything that's dark. Light brings illumination to it. And I believe the church that is rooted in Christ, the hope of glory, it will bring hope in a world that will illuminate everyone's false hope. Because I believe sometimes we can put our hope in things that are hopeless causes. I believe that we can put our hope in things that won't fulfill us in a way that only the hope of Christ can bring to us. And I believe that we shouldn't cast away our confidence, which gives us great recompense in the word of God. I believe, again, the church, I'm going I'm to I'm uh, bring this to a conclusion. The church creates a unity that creates, a, excuse me, the church brings unity that creates a human race. The church creates a unity that provides a dwelling place for the spirit of God. The church brings a unity that allows the church to go into full maturity. The church gives us access, our unity gives us access to divine gifts. As a church, our unity reveals the wisdom of God. And like I said, lastly, our unity gives hope to the world. The Bible says that guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. I believe that as the church, the only way that we can help people guard their heart is by placing the word of God in their heart. The word of God absent of the heart will never bring the hope that will fulfill you like a tree of life. The word of God, not in our heart, will cause our hope to be deferred. And the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. The church is supposed to reveal the goodness of God through the application of the word. It's us applying the word as the church, as individuals in our day-to-day -day lives that we begin to have a level of results of love, of, 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 of peace, 
of joy that the world can't have independent of Jesus. But when we walk in this level of, of truth and we apply the word of God in our life, then what happens is we release a hope and we show the world how to properly guard its heart. Because guarding our heart is not setting walls so that people can't hurt us because the walls that you set that may block people from hurting you, it also blocks the God and the people of God from loving you. But the word of God helps us create boundaries. The word of God helps us to not remove ancient landmarks of, of, of what morality is, of what truth is, because truth is not obsolete. Truth is absolute. Truth is Jesus. Truth is not evolving. If we want truth, we got to go back to the word of God. And when we think that truth is evolving, what happens is the world begins to blind experiment with their life. And some experiments explode. Some experiments have very uh, consequential repercussions. But when we show people what truth is, we help them to not get so close to the edge to where some people get close to the edge. They can't make it back. The church brings hope. The church shows people how to properly guard our hearts. And I believe as the church, if we're going to help walk people through this, we have to guard our heart. This is the season where we have to be vigilant at guarding our heart. There are so many voices, so many agendas, so many political movements, so many well-meaning people campaigning from our hearts that if we don't guard our heart, we might let the wrong voice in that will detour our hearts. That's why the Bible says in John 10, a stranger's voice my sheep won't follow, but my sheep know my voice. We protect our heart through the word of God so that way we can stay close to the Father's voice. I'm declaring right now a sensitivity to God's voice. That you will have a heightened sensitivity to his voice that is not just audible. His voice shows up through our circumstance. His voice shows up through the preaching of the word of God. His voice shows up in unity. His voice shows up in impressions of our hearts. His voice shows up in conviction and values. Don't limit God's voice. I pray that God will begin to highlight how he speaks to you and not only speak to you in that way, but speak to you in new ways. I pray that God will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, that he will lead you to paths of righteousness and stability. I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that the spirit of wisdom will be upon us, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we will know the hope that is in our calling. I'm praying for us as the church that we will know the length, the depth, the width, the height of the love of God that surpasses all understanding. So that way we can experience that exceedingly, abundantly, above all power that, that, that we could ever ask, think, or imagine by the power of God that works in us because of the hope of Christ that lives in us. And I declare these things right now. And if you are in wherever space you're in right now, I just want you to lift up your hands and just say, I receive that. And Father, I just bless your people. I pray that you will add a blessing to those that hear the word, but also apply the word. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will continue to invade us wherever we're at. I pray that you would renew our hope, God. I pray that you would give us a hunger for truth. I pray that you would give us a greater hunger for your word. I pray that you would give us a greater hunger for unity and community. And I just pray, Father, that as we cannot meet in a building, what unites us is not the building, it's our hope in Christ. And I just pray for that revelation to rest upon our hearts, that we will grow in that hope. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Really appreciate you guys for tuning in. 
Um, before you log off right now, I just want you to tune in for a few more moments. We have a few more announcements to make. God bless you guys. Peace.